hey, how about a cold open? Can I interest you in a cold open? Do you know what a cold open is, everybody? It's when you do a show or programming and there's no opening credits. You just go right to the show, like SNL. It's cold open when they do the whole funny skit at the beginning before they do the live from New York. It's Aslan. Once again, we record an entire show front to back solid. Winner. Just really solid pod. Um, and then the kid commits. Jeremiah Byers, which is awesome. Number seven overall prospect in the portal. Interior offensive lineman from UTEP. Although he started right tackle exclusively this past season. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, some of you might be like, well, why don't you just wait till to record the show later on the night? I don't know. I would like to have some nights to do some stuff, people. I think that'd be kind of cool, right? Anyhow, I love you all. The rest of the show, though, uh, was recorded before Byers committed to Florida State. So I don't think it really knocks the show off. Um, I don't think it does at all. So it all is all going to roll and, and make sense. It's going to be great. Um, now, though, here's Michael Langson and I uh, breaking it down as soon as it happened with the breaking news from the YouTube. Uh, then from there will be the podcast. Enjoy. Let's talk about what just happened here, Michael. You, you talked about it, man. You said on the podcast yesterday. Uh, they're not done at offensive line. They got Casey Roddick on Sunday night. They follow that up now here on Monday. They've gotten the never number seven overall prospect in the portal. He was number six, but then that Travis Hunter guy jumped in. The number seven overall prospect out of the portal from UTEP, an offensive lineman. He's coming to Tallahassee, Michael. Yeah, Jeremiah Byers uh, visited uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, certainly a guy that, that they targeted when you can look at when they went over there to see him a few times. Uh, certainly, I could tell just on his official visit. I mean, he was all smiles. He loved it. Um, I checked with some people after that visit, and they felt really good. I I, I know he had been telling pe- some people uh, in different media outlets that, hey, I'm going to take visits to Ohio State and take visits to Oregon or whatever. But I felt really good that and, – and then I got a tip last night that this one's probably going to end quicker than, it, than pe- a lot of people think. And a lot of times you put – you tell people, hey, I'm going to take these visits. So it kind of takes off the scent so people aren't bothering you. And then, bam, you just commit. So I felt really good that this was probably going to happen earlier than expected. But massive pickup, four-star, as you mentioned, the seventh-rated uh, overall prospect and transfer portal. Um, Alex Atkins does it again. Last night it was Casey Roddick. Tonight it's it's uh, Jeremiah Bowers. He's a guy that's it's another interior guy that uh, they feel uh, – can certainly uh, boister their their interior as far as pass pass blocking, certainly run blocking, and he fits he fits all those characteristics. Um, he's not six six like I think the profile said. I would say I would say probably about six three and a half, maybe six four, um, but still uh, perfect guard size, perfect guard body, and uh, certainly a guy that's going to give them a massive boost in their uh, their program as far as that offense lines as they replace the guys that they likely lose like uh you know dylan gibbons and maybe a few others so i think they're piecing this all together and and have a plan and and alex atkins is uh he's amazing uh you know it seems like everyone he targets uh he's really uh, there's a high chance he usually pulls them in and he's certainly got a guy that from a pass pass procking uh position uh uh, nailed it. Uh, certainly a top prospect. Had a really good career, it seems, with UTEP. I know you're going to go over the numbers in a few, but certainly just a fantastic pickup for Atkins and, and Norvell. How does this continue to happen, Michael? I mean, they, they identify these guys early. They get them on campus pretty darn quickly, and then they just sell them. You know, I mean, what what do you think factors into this sort of thing? Is it just uh, their ability to get on these guys early? Is that really kind of the, the thing that gets the foot in the door and then you're just able to close? I think it's I think it's not hard sell when you look at what FSU does with their portal linemen they've gotten. Look at the pro- progress of what happened with Dylan Gibbons. I think he won one of the best offensive line uh, of the year awards. Uh, the development for your young guys is tremendous, but also I mean it's just development across the board, whether it's transfers or or even high school kids. And you know we bragged about Julian Armella how how far he's come in short time. I mean Julian got there in the summer. So, I mean, he did a great job. He just does a great job developing. And then, two, I just think Alex is such a uh, real OG, as the young kids like to say, just really straightforward about everything. And there's such a comfortable uh, feeling around recruits when they're with him because he's very genuine, direct. He says exactly what he's uh, looking for and what he expects out of his players. And um, I think they know – 
coming in that there's not too many people that can can boister the the way that Alex Atkins develops offense alignment, uh, and he's shown that since he's been at FSU. So I think it's partly part of the personality of Alex, but it's also you know the development and the development of the players and the results of what they look like on the field. I mean, it's no secret they ran for what seven yards a carry of this year. Seven games they ran for over 200 yards. I mean, got to have a great offense line, a great development with that offense line to to accomplish that. And I think. A lot of these players see that. And then you have the charismatic personality of Alex, I think, really just uh, helps solidify just what they're doing, the product they're pushing out there. We need to get uh, Coach Atkins to have like his own kind of like booyah uh, (laughs) retweet kind of thing whenever these kids commit. But he just simply retweeted Jeremiah on his own timeline, as you guys can see there. Um, Michael, you know, we showed some of the numbers on Jeremiah. Obviously, Dylan Gibbons is gone. Uh, more than likely, Demetri Emanuel, there might be some sort of roundabout way that he can maybe get another year of eligibility. Right. But, uh, I mean, this this feels every bit of plug and play, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, a guy that you feel, you know, and this has been their their main thing from the start is plugging in guys that are productive, not just big body guys. They're productive guys that you can put in there. You can still develop them and get them better. But just guys that have productive careers uh, certainly have very good numbers when you look at the PFF and all that stuff. And then just overall fit everything that FSU is looking for. Just because they have PFF grades doesn't mean that FSU is just going to take them in. They have to fit exactly what Atkins is looking for, um, knowing what they're coming into with their situation with the offense line and and what he expects out of players. So not every four-star transfer guy is going to fit, and I think, I think he targets these guys that kind of fit his mindset of that position and and certainly a plug-in guy that I think is going to be a, a hell of an addition for FSU. It's going to be a impact guy. A lot of guard play for him, uh, you know, here in recent times, but he does have the ability to play at tackle. I mean, do you see him strictly as a guard or do you just think he's another guy that's like uh, maybe a jazz turntine where they can maybe flex him out and if they have to, or do you think just solely, solely, um, a guard. I mean, he played right tackle this entire last season at UTEP. Yeah, I think it'll be cross train where you see some right tackle stuff. And then I think mostly guard is what it screams when I look at him and I watch his film, but he can certainly play the right tackle position. He's certainly comfortable. His feet are really good. So he's, he's very comfortable in that uh, scene. But I, I was told like interiors kind of where, you know, they kind of feel, but um, certainly he can play the right tackle position if you're in a pinch and you have to go that way. But I, I think guard is where, uh, you know, I was always told that that the viewpoint with with Byers and the way he finishes his footwork were always things that were highlighted to me about his game when, um, you know, breaking things down. So, like I said, he's going to add a lot to that room. Um, I mean, it's already a really impressive room, but uh, these last few additions by FSU, um, these are these are some grown ass dudes. Uh, these are dudes like these are guys that are going to come in there and certainly help your offense, as we saw kind of last year with Jazz and how he filled the role in Dylan as well. So I think uh, certainly FSU is um, – they're, they're definitely leaving a print on the offensive line uh, so far on the transfer portal. They do have Jeremiah listed in the list, but right here they show they've got five transfers in, which is uh, Roddick, the two uh, tight ends, Daryl Jackson, and Keziah Holmes. So they do not have him reflected in the number. So maybe they'll move up to number seven in the portal. But when you do click on them – Oh, you do see Jeremiah Byers uh, has gone ahead and uh, flipped it on that side of things. So we'll get the numbers hopefully updated here shortly. Yep. Yep. Uh, but again, man, Florida State now with six uh, commits from the transfer portal. Jeremiah Byers joins Casey Roddick, Kyle Morlock, Jaheim Bell, uh, Daryl <laughs> Jackson, and Keziah Holmes. Man, they're um, they're back Whew. at it. They're back at it, everybody. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Michael. Yeah. They're probably yeah, not the- still right. I think it's great. Um, I've, I said this before the the transfer portal season started that I felt like this would be their greatest class that they've done for the portal so far because of the product they've already you know put in there. You know, the product's already done. Now you don't have to sell. You don't have to sell what you are. People saw the 9-3 season. They saw your win over LSU. They saw your win over Florida. They saw you crush Miami. They saw the consistency for the most part throughout the year in being 9-3. Uh, so, I think now they're just reaping the benefits of, of that, of their development, their winning, and just their product and a vision of where they're going. So um, now I'm not saying they're like picking guys and say, hey, come here. But, you know, it almost feels that way that FSU is just making 
a surge, you know, every uh, it's like every step they get go to for the transfer, it's been a, a step forward. I mean, you get one of the best tight ends, uh, you know, Morlock's one of the best tight ends on the FCS or Division Two level. You get Jaheim Bell, who's an SEC type tight end that's just explosive as it gets. You add these offensive linemen. I mean, it's just uh, you know they're killing it. They're doing a great job in the portal. And they're not done, you don't think? No, they're not. Um, I think Keontae uh, Jones is uh, or Keandre Jones is is next on the clock for me. I think that one could also come down the pike. We'll see uh, how soon. Chris Otto is going to probably make a decision in the next few days. That's on the high school front. So I think offensive line, um, if everything continues the way what I'm hearing, should be a good week. I know you all want it to happen now. I hope it doesn't happen tonight, though, uh, because the podcast is not, I don't want to have to go back and re-edit it for a third time, but there's Keandre Jones, some uh, numbers on him. He was a four-star coming out of high school in Hogansville, Georgia, out of Callaway High School. So uh, there's another guy that Florida State is obviously in the mix with. Man, Michael, we're going to actually do a live show tomorrow. You want to let everybody know what time? I, I know it's news to you, but the boss said to go ahead and do a live show. We're yeah. going to do a live show on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, seven works for me. I mean, if that's what you want to roll with, I mean, uh, this is like, <laughs> it's like finding out somebody's coming over to your house and stay. Uh, so I, I didn't even know about this. So yeah. it's cool. Uh, seven works well, for broke, me, but you, you broke some news. I'll break some news to you. So that's how it works. Okay. There you go. All right. From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we know place to go, Wake up! What is up, everybody? It is Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. Coming up on today's show, Johnny Wilson with a big decision. Has he made up his mind? Practice observations and Michael Langston giving us the lowdown on recruiting as we are just one day away from National Signing Day. Wake Up War Chant is presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Today's Tuesday. That means it is Taco Tuesday all day long at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Not just a lunch special. It's going on all day Hard, soft-shell tacos, chicken or beef, you choose at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill on Tuesdays. Get yourself ready, fuel up, and get ready for trivia night as well. That starts at 7 o'clock, Corey. Yes? 7? Yeah. Come on, man. You know this. What? You know this. You just want me to engage, yeah. get me engaged in the ad read, but uh-huh. you know it's 7 o'clock. Yeah. Be oh, there, yeah. everyone. Be oh. there. You might even see me if Ooh. you're there. Right, like maybe in Brady. Can we get a Brady Clark signing possibly? I think Brady will be there. He's not going to be happy that he's going to have to put his phone away for long stretches. Okay. Um, when the questions are in there, but that's fine. Or maybe we'll cheat. Ooh. I don't care. Well, that's going to be tougher uh, from our guy there. I think he's got the discipline to do it. You know, dad saying, hey, put the phone away, whatever. But when there's rules, I think Brady will fall in line. Oh, that's absolutely. Maybe. There's nothing that describes him better than a rule follower. <laughs> uh, Warchant.com, the ultimate symbol sports source. Hit the thumbs up. Subscribe. Uh, rate review the podcast hit the one on the right if you're on the apple and you're searching for us on the podcast up on your apple device search for wake up more chain hit the one on the right uh i think we went over everything um don't forget tomorrow's national signing day we will have wall-to-wall coverage michael langston tom lang myself will have video profiles on some of these commitments and we'll just just have everything covered for you as well as practice because they'll be back at practice on wednesday they practice on sunday they practice on monday we were out there Corey. Um, don't want to bury the lead, but I don't know if I want to, I don't want to overblow it. But then again, we do a Florida State podcast and there's not maybe a lot to kind of pull away from it. But I guess we did not talk about on Monday's show, which is my bad. I can kind of figure out where we want to go with things. And I forgot to mention it because I didn't see it. Shout out to whoever on the tribal council started the thread. But apparently, I don't know, three, four days ago, the NCAA went ahead and approved a special sort of waiver, if you will, that your bowl game will not count towards your season eligibility when it comes to retaining your red shirt so if you'd played in four games up to this point that was it for you they put you in the garage and they were going to red shirt you if that was their intention but now you can play in the bowl game if you're say Rodney Hill and still manage to keep your red shirt uh, I like what you asked Mike Norval like this answer about it I mean not not perfect timing but still though on the whole a, a good piece of legislation if you will 
Yeah, and I mean, it's something that had to be done with, with the way the, like we talked about yesterday with that Florida debacle of a bowl game. Like, it's something you have to do. You don't want to have coaches. I mean, as Norvell was saying, it's like it's a lot about player safety at this point. Like, you can't roll to a college football game with 38 players that can play because 10 of them you're trying to redshirt and another 40 are either in the portal or opting out or hurt. So it's cool that now you can play these guys that have, that have redshirted all year. And it maybe as a reward. Um, you know, I think there's some Florida kids that were redshirting or planned to redshirt that probably got to play in that game because, because of this new legislation. And probably there will be plenty of others as we go through this bowl season. I think we're only, what are we, nine games out of 41 into it that, that these schools, because it, it takes, play, it takes uh, effect immediately, which, again, is really good legislation. It's just it took a little too long to get there. So making it specific to Florida State, I think there was I think it was the Miami game where where it seemed like Duffy was like upset because he didn't get to play Duffy or, or maybe it was Syracuse. Okay. It was one of the games where Rodemaker played the whole maybe it was Syracuse where Rodemaker played the whole second or basically the whole second half, but the whole fourth quarter because they wanted to they, they didn't want to risk using Duffy and then burning his red shirt. Well, they would have played him in that game. Because they knew, because look, it, what, they didn't know for sure if Jordan Travis was coming back. And then what if Tate Rodemaker is your starter in the bowl game and he gets hurt? Well, now you got to burn a red shirt for one game that doesn't mean all that much. So if they'd have known that, I think, you know, if, they, if this legislation would have been done in August, Duffy would have played one more game, but he, he did not. Uh, my sole practice observation uh, Winston Wright one on one drill. Saw some real legit burst. It was I think they were working on their releases. It was it was press bump and run kind of coverage. Uh, they were getting the, the DBs are getting their hands on the receivers coming out of their breaks or coming off the line rather. And man, Winston Wright, I, I kind of out of the corner of my eyes saw it happening. I was like, wow, that whoever that was, that was that was a nice move because everybody else was sort of struggling in their matchup. Although I will say when he was decelerating and slowing down, that looked to me to be some guy that still kind of either doesn't trust it or is a little bit ginger on it still, which is to be expected. But that was like the first time I saw Winston Wright do something in a practice where I was like, all right, that's something that could probably hunt. Uh, anything else uh, stand out to you? Maybe a singular moment or do you want to explore the space? Was there other stuff from practice that, that, that did catch your eye? Well, I want to stay on Winston Wright for a second because, cool. yeah, it was, I was watching it. You know, Brady came to practice, so we were watching watching uh, all of the one-on-one drills and, well, everything we were watching. Um, and a lot of it was in the IPF, so we were kind of on the sidelines watching. And um, I can't remember who went. Oh, somebody went first. I can't remember who. Didn't do very well. And then Brady's like, oh, is that Winston Wright? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, wow. Like the way he moved, like you could tell there was a difference with him. Um, not with Brady, with Winston Wright. Like the way he moves and, um, you know, Brady was like, is he getting to come back next year? I'm like, yeah, man, he didn't play at all. He's definitely coming back. And um, Brady was very excited after seeing a, a couple of reps that he ran. Not that Brady's, you know, uh, you know, Steve Spurrier, uh, football he's mind. Kuiper, man. He knows, he knows talent. Yeah, you're right. That's a better point. With better hair. Um, actually, that's not true. No, we got. I got to no. do something about Brady's hair. I I don't know what to do no, as a dad, let him, but I no no. It's like Samson. It's where he gets his strength. Oh man, it's rough. It's rough. He just he doesn't. He wants to have a really shaggy, long in his eyes haircut, and then style it where he like poofs it up right there at the end in front of his eyes, and he just doesn't have the hair for it, and it's <laughs> it bothers me and his mom to death. But we can't do anything. It's his hair, right? It is. Um, but anyway, his um, body, his so, choice. Exactly. And that's exactly what he told us when we tried to get him to have a haircut because he's a he's a smart aleck. But um, going back to Winston Wright, you know, I, watching Ja'Kai Douglas in those drills, I've talked about him all year. Like he's just unguardable. He had a long 50, 60 yard catch in one on ones. But then when you put Winston Wright in that same drill and you see they they just Micah, I don't I, I really start to think, OK, where is where does Micah Pittman fit in next year? Because those two guys, Winston Wright probably in particular because he's done it more at this level, but I'm telling you guys, Ja'Kai, Ja'Kai was banged up. Ja'Kai can be a difference maker, man. He's just, he's really hard to guard out of the slot. He is going to beat man-to-man -man coverage 95% of the time just because linebackers and safeties are your third corner isn't going to be quick enough to cover that dude in space. It's all about scheming a play to get him open, but man... He's tough, and Winston Wright is accomplished and good, and they're just different. 
they just have a different skill set than Micah Pittman. But I think by and large, as much as you appreciate Micah Pittman's um, you know, ability to make contested catches, his toughness, his blocking, I don't know that in the grand scheme of what you're doing on an offense, do you want a, a slot receiver that's not real twitchy, but it's tough, or a guy that just shakes everybody that's in front of him? Because I think that's what Winston Wright is. And I don't know, I, prob I, I, I can't imagine that Florida State's going to get another player in the portal at wide receiver this year, even if, as we talk about later, if Johnny Wilson isn't back. Um, but Winston Wright is a portal difference maker that's coming to you in wide receiver. And I just, I think, man, I, I think, I don't know how many, I, I don't know where Micah Pittman fits in if both of those guys are, are, are playing in the slot as well. Now, he'll get his, he'll get his reps, he'll play, but I don't think he's going to play 600 snaps or set whatever he played this year. I would be stunned if he's um, on the field that much just because Winston Wright is really, I just think when nobody has it, remember that as, as happy as we were with what Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman did this year and the differences they made, and they did make a big difference in that room and on the field, neither one of them were Winston Wright coming here. Winston Wright was the big name, and you get them, you get them fully healthy, all, we we assume um, next year, and that's I mean I I just I don't know that we can put a we can even quantify how big a deal that's going to be. Four hundred thirty four snaps for Micah Pittman this past season. Um, I can't say I really disagree with anything that you've said. I just, Did he have the most of any receiver, Aslan? Can you look that up? I don't know how quickly I can get to that, but um, look it up, Aslan. Come on, look it up. With the magic of editing, able to go and find it. I'm back, mm. Corey. I'm back. Nice. Johnny Wilson, 490 tops for okay. receivers. Cameron McDonald, 479, second in pass catchers. Then Micah Pittman at 434. They're also 7, 8, and 9 from the offense in terms of uh, reps, snaps. Yeah, and, and I guess there's a chance that Winston Wright lines up outside, like where Pokey is. I just I, I think he's so much better served in the slot. I think that's a matchup nightmare. Like again, when you watch Micah Pittman, there are things he does very, very well, but shaking man to man coverage is not one of them. He just doesn't have that he, he's not suddenness. He's not yeah. Suddenness and twitchy right. that, like the like you want out of a, a typical slot player. Maybe he like takes Jekai over and, maybe takes over Pokey's role or does he not have enough kind of top end straight line yeah, speed? Yeah, I was gonna say to, he doesn't really have the top end speed to do that. And honestly, don't you think that like Portier or McLean or the the freshman Hakeem Williams wouldn't one of those guys make more sense out wide than you have if you know if Johnny's back where we're, we're assuming he is you have six seven Johnny Wilson out wide you have let's just say it's Malik McLean six four Malik McLean out wide and then you have a slot with Winston Wright and then you have two giant tight ends two really good tight ends. I mean anyway it, it it's not a complaint it's just it's yeah, more yeah. of an observation and kind of a you know made me kind of think about next year and and when you watch Winston Wright, because, you know, we're watching him now in one-on-ones and in drills, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, like you said, that'll hunt. That, that skill set will really play. They, they did not have the, the, the quick, elusive, really fast slot guy this year. And what will that look like in this offense? You just get more and more excited, man. Yeah, you're not telling Micah to, you're not giving him any doubts or anything like that. But I just, I think that to be like too simplistic. I just think he's like a really good football player. I just feel like they'll they'll find a way Correct. Yes. to, to keep him on that field and stuff. So I, yeah, I don't know exactly where I, I could I could pin him right now, which isn't the greatest thing sometimes. A man without an island, but again, this staff has just shown all sorts of creative ways to get so many different people involved. Um, and he's on the payroll too, right? He's on the the uh, collective, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's know. announced that he's coming back. I yeah, he so he's coming back. I assume. Uh, I mean, I guess nothing's binding, but. Yeah, but again, looking at that, I was I was talking with Brady because this is a funny. You'll every most people listening to this will appreciate this conver conversation. He was talking about Portier, like somehow because he's Brady. Kentron became his favorite player during the twenty minutes he was the, the first twenty minutes of practice. Uh, first it was Pokey, and then it became Kentron. And uh, he's like, "Is Kentron going to start next year?" And I'm like, "Well, he could." He goes, "Hakeem Williams will start, right? He's the five star." I'm like, "No, man, it's it's hard for a true freshman to start." And he goes, you're telling me they're going to get a five-star wide receiver and he's not going to play. I'm like, no, he'll play, but I don't know if he'll start. Kentron might start, and then this guy might start. And it was Darian Williamson who was lining up right in front of us. Uh. And he goes, who's this guy? And I go, weren't you at the Boston College game? 
mama brought you down for that, right? He goes, yeah. And he goes, well, this guy had 100 yards receiving in that game. He goes, no way did that guy have 100 yards receiving in, Boston, in the Boston College game. I, didn't, I don't remember that at all. And so, of course, he got on his phone to prove me wrong, and I was right. Yeah. He's like, wow, he had five for 98. I'm like, yeah, your dad doesn't lie. Anyway, now you're getting more of a glimpse into Corey and Brady's relationship. But that said, uh, he's like, wow, so what happened? I'm like, well, that was his, he goes, that was the only stats for the year. And I'm like, I know. He was kind of banged up before that game, and then he got hurt right after his last catch and didn't play again. But he's somebody, and it just goes again to like, man, they have a ton of dudes. And again, I don't know if it'll be after the bowl game. I don't know if it'll be this week. I don't know if it'll be 10 minutes after we stop recording this podcast. <laughs> but some of these guys got to portal out. They just, there's too many bodies. Of too many quality players, right? Yeah. Like Malik McClain, Portier, Darian Williamson. I think all three of those guys can play. And I think they can be starters at a number of schools around the country. But at Florida State, where they don't throw the ball a ton anyway, and you've got a six, seven freak, and then you've got, you know, again, you do have a five-star coming in. You've got all these other guys you've got to compete with. You've got Winston Wright coming back. You don't have a lot of opportunities. So, again, I just think, like Demory Tate did, I think Demory Tate was more of a, I just don't know if that kid can play. No offense to the kid. I hope he goes and has a nice college career. I do know that Portier and Williamson and Malik McLean can play. I just don't know if they're good enough to get enough to get the warranted reps to stay, all of them to stay at Florida State. I, I just again, I wouldn't be stunned if one or two of them left because you can't have fifteen scholarship receivers. Well, let's keep it in Ron's room. Let's uh, talk about Johnny Wilson. We got to speak to him after practice yeah, on sure. Monday. Uh, you know. I was at one point was like going to look down at my phone and go on the warchant.com tribal council and look at that thread that Ira's got pinned showing who's uh, declared that they're coming back and who says they're leaving because I was like, is Johnny, has Johnny said anything? But then I had to, you know, edit some video or whatever. Uh, but he was asked uh, after practice, you know, what's kind of going into his decision. And I, I don't want to, uh, you know, paraphrase him. I'll go ahead and let him uh, tell us uh, what he's thinking right now about whether he'll stay or go. I haven't, I haven't even put much thought into it. Um, Honestly, you know, everyone's just focused on this next, you know, this next game, this next win. Uh, I have no clue, you know, what God has in store for me yet. So um, I'm just taking it one, you know, one day at a time, one step at a time, one game at a time. So um, just want to go get this last win. I don't know. I mean, um, kind of surprising, I guess. But, you know, I, I respect his ability or his desire to want to maybe keep some of his options open. I don't think he was going to use that opportunity. Like, yeah, I'm coming back. I mean, they're going to all do this on social media and, and get the sort of right. uh, self-validation that you know, we'd it all want. It would have been funny if he's like, age. hey, man, thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming back, guys. Thank Thanks. you for asking. I've been waiting for you guys to ask yeah, me about it's been that six, for five minutes. Six minutes of this, and you guys have been asking yeah. me all this other stuff. Um, I don't know. Does, does that at all? I mean, what, I mean, what would you think is going through a guy's head like Johnny at this point? Is it one of those things where you kind of want to leave the door open because we have seen – some guys go kind of crazy in a bowl game, and at that point, I mean, if he catches seven for 130 and two scores, I mean, he might be talked about as, hey, look at this guy. Don't forget about this guy. Although I think we all can agree he probably would be best served to, to come back for another year. But, you know, he's he's been playing college football for three full seasons. Well, not three full, but three seasons now. So I, I wouldn't blame him for wanting to test the waters. Yeah, um, you know, look, I, and I think in this day and age, when we talk about these kind of decisions, there's probably some negotiations we don't know about. Mm. And you don't tip your hand when you're negotiating. So do with that what you will. But I don't think if Johnny Wilson comes back to play football at Florida State next year, he'll be doing it for free. Um, now, I get it. He has scholarship and a stipend. But you guys know what I mean. Um, so maybe he's going to, you know, maybe he thinks the bowl game will up the ante. If he, if like you said, he does go for seven for one fifty and two touchdowns. You know, I'm I'm convinced that Kelvin Benjamin was not going to go pro after 2013 until the Florida game, where he just torched that entire secondary and was a man among children. So you know that one game kind of I think, well obviously it showed scouts what he could do because that was a good secondary, but it also like I think put in his mind, okay, yeah, I'm dominant. Like what do I, what do I need to come back here for another season for? maybe maybe Johnny has a game like that I just I think we go back to you know he didn't exactly finish the year and I'm a big Johnny Wilson fan and have been a believer but he didn't finish the year great and he had I think he had his worst game of the season in that last game now he did make a huge catch when it mattered 
But, you know, it wouldn't have mattered that much if he'd have been able to catch the ball the first three quarters. So there's a lot of, I, I don't I don't know where he'd be projected. I would think maybe late second day, probably third day. Um, because again, six, seven is nice. It's, it's something you can't teach, but you've got to be able to get all, you've got to be able to shake man to man and you've got to be able to make contested, tough, hard catches and easy catches. And he struggled with the latter. Um, he just didn't catch the ball as consistently as you'd like. And maybe if he comes back next year and has, you know, 40 for 800 and nine touchdowns gets better, only has a couple of drops instead of five or six or seven or however many he had this year, um, that would help him. I don't, I don't. I, I still would be surprised if he left, right? Yeah. I just don't know where yes. he thinks he, where he is on anybody's, uh, you know, list of top twenty receivers in the country. But I don't think he's on many of them, even at that size. Because I mean, look around the NFL, man. Everybody has a six-five dude, and yes. they all are more accomplished than Johnny Wilson was in college. So I know six seven, it's two inches, and he does do a really nice job of making high pointed contested catches. But I, you know, I don't know if GMs are salivating over themselves over a guy a guy like that quite yet. But yeah, like you said, maybe he goes crazy in the bowl game and shows off some, um, you, you know, just shows off. I mean, he's 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 not slow. He might be slow by NFL wide receiver standards, but he's not like a plotting tight end. He can move, and he's got a little wiggle. Maybe he has a couple of really nice plays in that game, like I said, like Kelvin did against Florida, and it opens up everything. But, yeah, um, I, I think more than anything, if he hadn't announced by now, which, you know, they had that flood where everybody was announcing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's something to it. Like maybe there's behind-the-scenes dealings going on, negotiations going on. Or he wants to wait until after the bowl game. I, again, though, I would be surprised if he didn't want to come back and, and play on this team. But as I just said, if he doesn't, yes, that would be a loss. I gr Granted, but you're not depressed about it. Because like I said, you have all those receivers that are coming back. That opens up more playing time for those guys out wide. And no, they might not be Johnny Wilson potential and Johnny Wilson late game contested catches. But they're good. And then you remember, you just brought in a six seven tight end that can be that guy that, that Johnny Wilson can be on third downs or in the red zone. And you brought in another tight end who might be one of the most talented players on the team anyway. So there's going to be plenty of dudes to throw the ball to, even if Johnny Wilson doesn't come back. It's just he's kind of a unicorn because he's six seven and can move. I think like the, the point counterpoint to that would be if you're Johnny thinking like, all right, so I need to work on catching the ball more consistently, but I don't I don't really know how much of that is a skill that you can really work on. But at the same time, it's like, why not come back and try to work on that while also getting compensated a little bit more than yeah. you were this past season? And then you can, you know, barring injury, you're pretty much in the same position you were, but you have thirty, forty thousand dollars more in your pocket or you did at one point uh, from coming back and returning. So I, I would be surprised if he were to go to the NFL draft. But I again I support these dudes. I, I think they're all getting pretty good information. Again, he's got thirty five catches for six ninety five and five scores. He's averaging twenty yards a carry, nineteen point nine. Again, man, if he catches seven balls for like one twenty, one thirty and gets like two touchdowns, I, I think but yeah, do you it, think that does anything in the in in Scouts' mind about what his deficiencies are and what he needs to work on? Like I, maybe in his mind it does. Like, hey, I got to strike while the iron's hot. That's yeah. uh, copyrighted, folks. You can't yeah. use that. That's a Corey Clark original. But uh, you, I've got to strike while the iron's hot because I just I just had my best game. But I don't know that he go like it was different with Kelvin Benjamin because he did it against a team that cared against a really good secondary. And then he also had two. He also caught the national championship game-winning touchdown and destroyed Duke. So he he had three gr really great games in a row to finish off his career. Johnny Wilson would be finishing off with one good game, and it's against a team that has a horrible defense and might not want to be there. So I get the, why it might change his mind. Yeah, I don't know what he could do in one game that would change some of the issues that scouts and GMs would have about drafting him high. Like I think that's yeah, something no, that gets changed over the course of a season. The consistent yeah, you can't yeah, prove fair. consistency in one game, right? Right. Oh, great. Right. You won. You didn't drop anything against Louisville. That was awesome. Yeah. But that wasn't who he was. Um, well, you're only, you're so, only yeah, as good as your I, you're only as good as your last game. So Amen. Know, if, if he Speaking of him, there. though, when you want to talk about observations, huh. I'll throw this out there. They Ooh. they do their I don't know what we call it when they do the 
the the thing right at the beginning of practice in the IPF the 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 eleven on eleven like go down oh, the yeah, field. Oh yeah, period team. three where it's like tempo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, don't Jordan do Travis to made guy. an unbelievable throw he to did. Johnny Wilson on kind of like a wheel route, and my man dropped it, hit him right in the hands. Mm-hmm. Like a really bad drop. There's um, a lot of drops out there today, but yeah, that one. No, but the rest of the day, he caught everything okay. and made some ridiculous catches. Yeah. So that's who he is. Now, what you need to get away from is that first play. But he's always going to be—he's always going to be a factor, and he's always going to be a big deal, at least in the college level, because of the other plays he made for the rest of practice. I think he caught a—he caught a touchdown in the back of the end zone. He mossed—I couldn't tell who the corner was, but he mossed a corner uh, for like a 22-yard catch out of bounds, like going out of bounds just on an underthrown ball. Like the guy is just when he's catching the ball, he's pretty much unguardable at the college level. They probably have a little more uh, ability to cover him uh you know if he was playing in the nfc east i was gonna say i don't know if uh i don't know if like the to comparison is apt at all but remember like he kept dropping everything yeah that one he just kept dropping everything dropping everything and then steve young or was it that was it wasn't steve young was it, it was jeff garcia it, it was uh it might have been steve young was either it? him or like jim drunken miller <laughs> it wasn't jim drunken miller um but yeah, so then he caught the ball, and then like he started crying. He caught the game-winning touchdown yeah. with like four seconds left yeah. after dropping like literally like five or six passes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't think Johnny Wilson's Terrell Owens. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say that. But the comparison is apt because when you're that talented, and you're that much of a difference maker, and we talked about it today because we hadn't talked to Johnny since the Florida game, and about like Jordan having the trust to go with him, even after he'd had you know I was being respectful when I asked the question. Uh-huh. I didn't say, "Hey, man, you dropped everything that was thrown to you." But Jordan still, I was like, you know, you struggled a little bit. I'm sure you were frustrated, but what did it mean to have Jordan trust you in that moment? And what did you learn about yourself to make a catch like that in that moment after having such a tough start to the game? And, uh, you know, he gave what answer he gave. But, I, you know, I'm sure it was a good one. But I don't think Aslan has it queued up. So go I to don't our, have go it to, queued up. No, yeah, sorry, go no. to the uh, YouTube, uh, go to our War Chant channel to, to see that. But, yeah, I so that's, that's why he's always going to have a place because – even that was third and 10. That might've been the biggest catch of the year, man. Just imagine the tone of the last month. If they had lost that game to Florida. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. But a big, big, big reason they didn't lose that game to Florida was that catch on third and 10 after Johnny Wilson had dropped three, inclu- including one touchdown catch, um, perfectly thrown ball. And then Jordan Travis, when everything was not working, when the, when the momentum was clearly on the other sideline and you were and the team was melting down, it seemed like, you lob it up to the big kid, and he goes make a 20-yard uh, catch on third and 10 when he's not open. That's a big-time play, and it was one of the biggest catches of the season. And that, I think, that kind of security blanket is what you would love to have if that dude comes back because you'll, you'll always have it. Now, I don't know if the, the tight end is a similar type of ball catcher. Uh, this, he's six seven as well, but that would be tough. Think about that, man, having those two guys, you know, second and six from the 10-yard line. Having two six seven dudes on the field, Jaheim Bell on the field, Winston Wright on the field. I mean, you know, Jordan Travis's legs. Oh, and Trey Benson. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough offense to stop. The holiday season is upon us at my bookie, and the giving spirit is what they're in over at my bookie. They got twelve straight days of giveaways, from odd boosts to casino chips to straight up locks. My bookie's twelve days of giveaways is a can't miss promotion. It's gonna be starting. December 21st, which is also National Signing Day. Coincidence? Maybe. Maybe it ends on January 1st. All you got to do is sign up at MyBookie. Use the promo code WARCHANT on your first deposit, and you can redeem a bonus of up to $200. Again, the promo code is WARCHANT. What happened with the UConn game? UConn did not cover, right? I think Marshall took them to They did not. It. Marshall beat them by 14. All right, we got Eastern Michigan versus San Jose State today. Corey, San Jose oh, State favored by three and a half. I just don't like these games on my record. Um, I'm going to go with the favorites. Okay. I'm just going to, from now on, I'm picking the favorites, unless the spread is outrageous. Okay. I think they're favorited for, I think they're favorites for a reason. I think that they have more talent. I think they probably have more reason to win the game and be into the game. And I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, I'm going to go with the favorites, which is who in this one? Eastern Michigan? San Jose State is the Spartans. Absolutely. I'm going with the Spartans. Okay. Going with the Spartans. And then Toledo, I'll. I'll, 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 I'll fade you. I'll go with Eastern Michigan. And then Liberty okay. is getting three and a half against Toledo. Oh. Right, well, Remember, Toledo then. Liberty doesn't have a head coach. 
Correct. Um, so, um, all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna change again. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna take liberty. Right. I'm gonna take the dogs. I'll go with the underdogs in this one. You guys can get your picks in and win big over at mybookie.ag whenever you use that promo code WarChant. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Michael's here now, everybody, which is the important thing. Michael Langston, recruiting analyst for WarChant.com, the ultimate seminal sports source. I don't know if we're going to do a live show or not later today, Michael. I don't want to put more work on your plate than already, but just just giving you a warning. It might happen because there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot going on. Now, I brought you on after Corey and I wrapped up the show, and you're here in the middle, though. Uh, spoiler alert, Corey's going to you know, mention uh, Keldrick Falk later on the show. Sounds like there might be some further developments coming right now between Keldrick Falk and uh, Auburn and Florida State since the last time we talked yesterday, Michael. Yeah, I think there's um, – you know, it feels like, you know, this coming down to the wire. I think the title of the article on the front page, I think, kind of says it all. Obviously, he went to FSU, and we felt like, you know what? Hey, this one's good. We're done. Well, nope. He stopped on the way home to see uh, Auburn. Obviously, he's visited Auburn several times for games. Um, you know, so certainly uh, they are a factor. And, and uh, you know, he told me that, like, he – if you're asking the kid himself, he's, he's very defiant that, that, hey, I want to go to FSU. That's the place I want to be. But when you're dealing with stuff in the last 48 hours, you know, and, and we're on the eve, eve of National yeah. Sign Day or early sign day, I think you, it's something you still have to you have to really check into and monitor that, you know, something could happen or it should be twist or stuff. But I think personally, you know, Keldrick wants to go to FSU. I think that's the place. But. You know, I think his mom and his family talked about like just that's why I kind of think they wanted to stop there just to see kind of look you haven't really met this staff in person uh, at their while they've been there with Hugh Freeze and the new staff so just see uh, just making sure of everything that this is uh, you know FSU is where you want to be and um, but uh, I don't think it's a situation like some people are like oh the mother's put no I don't think the mother's pushing anywhere in fact if she was pushing anywhere I would probably say FSU because the relationship is the strongest with FSU and certainly uh, with JP and Norvell, she loves those, uh, loves those guys a lot, but I think it's more a mom doing her due justice or due diligence of just um, making sure. So there's no under, no, no weird stuff happening uh, that, Hey, this is what you want to do. And I think, I think uh, just making sure he looks at every option, but um, certainly I'm, I'm sure FSU is going to be nervous until something happens uh, Wednesday morning around, uh, I think, 11, uh, 11 a.m. Central times, what, what Keldrick told me as far as when he's signing. So, you know, we'll see. It could have a, you could have something more definitive, you know, maybe Tuesday night or something right before it. But uh, I think overall, um, from my perspective, you know, for Keldrick, I think he prefers being at FSU. I think the relationships are there. He told me that last night when we talked. Um, I think relationships is a big deal to him. And I think FSU is the group that has the, all the relationships or the majority of the relationships that he just connects with. And um, so, but you're still dealing with kids, you know, kids that are, your know, minds can be changed and minds can be you know, altered and you never know. So it's something I'm going to monitor, but that's kind of, I think, where things stand with him. All right. So he's one of the guys that's committed. Otherwise, what are you seeing from uh, this class that's uh, been committed and kind of intact, at least from a high school level, uh, for quite a long time, Michael? Yeah, I think it's a great class. Uh, when you look top to bottom, obviously, Hakeem Williams is a big, big uh, headliner. Or just you got a five-star commitment. Obviously, you got a flip from a quarterback uh, late in the, the process with Brock Glenn. He will sign with FSU on that day. I think every other commit, I think, is is good to go, except for the Keldrick Falk thing that we'll wait on. But 
but I think everyone else is a great class. Defensive tackle, Keith Sampson said he's going to sign uh, when we interviewed when I interviewed him on on uh, Sunday. So I think that was kind of the last one that we thought at that time that we'd have to track. So I think all these guys uh, are, are are excited to sign. I think it's a good class when you look top to bottom. You know, Blake Nicholson, really good linebacker. Obviously, Keith Sampson, Lucas Simmons, a really good offensive tackle that. It has everything that you're looking for as far as uh, what he can do in the uh, college and pro. So I think this class has a little bit of everything, kind of what you look. I, I'm, 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 I would say that fans wish there was more because uh, they want top 10 classes and stuff. But I think if you factor in the what they've done in the portal already and then what they've done in the high school market, I think it's a I think they've done a great job. Are there more players that are committed that could flip to Florida State here in the next 48 hours or more guys that are uncommitted that you think Florida State can pull here in the next 24, 36 hours? Well, I think there's some uncommitted. You certainly have Conrad Hussey, who's the safety out of St. Thomas Aquinas. He officially visited FSU last week or the previous weekend. And then I think he uh, went and took an official visit to Miami. He was originally going to go to Colorado, but decided to go to Miami for an official visit. He's committed to Penn State. That's a guy I'm I'm seriously monitoring. Grew up an FSU fan. I think it's FSU, uh, Miami, or Penn State. So certainly one that I'm going to monitor highly. Obviously, you also have linebacker Cam. Robinson he's committed to Virginia I think that's one they can flip uh, certainly it's a possibility uh, you know from what I've heard uh, he visited South Carolina over the weekend I think that was an official visit as well so I think those two are, are, are commit guys that you could see something happen with them in FSU that I'm monitoring heavily and then also you have several prospects that are uncommitted, which is Edwin Joseph, who I think FSU sits in a really good spot. I expect FSU to win out in that recruitment. He visited Louisville over the weekend, but I think uh, FSU is the team that I feel is going to ultimately win out there. Chris Otto, offensive lineman from Key West, he visited FSU this weekend. He he might even decide before we get to you know, Wednesday, but I think I feel really good about uh, – I've already put a pick in for FSU, so I feel FSU is – you know, it's probably going to land that one. And then certainly you're you're waiting on a lot of transfers that are out there. Maybe those guys decide next week. And then also you have guys like Devontae Brown who visited FSU the previous weekend. And uh, I think saw Miami some this week. I lean a little bit towards more, more towards Miami with him. And then his brother's Damari Brown, who's a high school prospect. I lean more towards Alabama with him. So there's a lot that I'll be tracking both from the transfer and, you know, from the high school market. But I think those are some of the main guys I would say right now that that FSU is targeting, tracking, and keeping uh, monitoring and trying to get them in this class. Man, how many how much how much space do they have open, do you think? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't really know. I was always told like twenty one. Okay. Um, but that was they mainly for high school and I'm sure they have some allotted room for for all the transfers that they're going to add uh, i've already mentioned like i think they're going to add like you know three transfers from um you know the offensive line alone you know so i think they could get three in this class of the offensive line and i think there's a few other needs that really depend on kind of what these guys do on the from the um you know, the FSU football team with Jared Verse, Jamie Robinson, Fabian Lovett, all those guys, that's going to dictate what they do. So you could see, you know, them hosting more official visitors maybe in the, you know, later in January. Uh, so I could see something like that happening. I think they have till mid-January to get it done if you don't want a waiver. So, you know, they could have like nine or ten official visits in that time frame. So a lot just depends on uh, a lot of what they do depends on uh, what uh, Verse, Lovett, and Robinson ultimately decide, maybe even Johnny Wilson and, and a few other guys, to what direction they go as far as adding to this uh, this program. As it sits right here as we record this, Florida State has 15 commits from high school. So it sounds like that number is going to change. Right. It's going to get a little bigger yeah. between now and Wednesday. That's exciting, man. Like, you know – Everybody always asks about surprises. I mean, you're throwing the names out there, and we appreciate that. We don't know just how firm or how likely as they do flip. I mean, there's there's guys that are out there that they are in contention for that could easily they have spots available for. So that's yes. really cool. And then last thing on the way out, Michael, I mean, I know you, you've covered this ad nauseum. It's been on the premium recruiting board now for almost a whole entire day now. But you know, they're going to lose Dylan. We think they're losing Dimitri. There might be some sort of 
you know, eleventh hour opportunity where he can maybe get another year, but we're not all that right. sure about it. You know, right. Caden Lyles comes back though. We, we think uh, hopefully that goes through. We actually we don't know that. That's still going through its process as well. But man, they got Casey Roddick. Um, you know, Jeremiah By- Jeremiah Byers, Keandre Jones, John Campbell. These guys are still out there, and they've got Lucas Simmons committed. Chris Otto's a guy that you feel really confident about. Yep. Man, they're they're keeping the the pedal to the metal on this offensive line. It sounds like they are, and. I don't think Caden Lyles is coming back from what I've been told. Okay. Um, so I think he's finished what he's going to do. Now the other ones, I think that's kind of a wait and see. Um, yeah, they're waiting on – I mean, they want to really refurbish this uh, you know, offensive line because they know there's some losses there. And they also – they feel like the interior is the place that they really focus on. I think they would like to add a tackle. Obviously, John Campbell's on campus. But I, don't, I caution people, like, that's not going to be like the, the – he's not so highly coveted to the level of the way those other three that I mentioned, the way they're pushing for. So I think they're going to be selective on that tackle position. So while John Campbell and things feel good and sit in a, a, probably a pretty good spot, I don't think it's like just, uh, oh, that's going to be our guy and that's the guy they're coveting. I think there's going to be much more selective. And it's got – I mean, they're not pursuing him like, hey – we got to have you like like it has been with Byers right. and, and, and certainly Roddick and, and Jones. I don't think it's to that level. So you have that. And before people ask, I know people will ask this, like Travis Hunter, what's he going to do? Kevin Coleman, it, too. Yeah. They're both in the portal. Yeah, Kevin Coleman. I don't expect Kevin Coleman here. I don't anticipate uh, Travis Hunter here either. I think he dropped a top four of Colorado, Miami, SC, and Georgia. Oh. I personally – between me, you, and Yaslon, I think it's personally. Don't say a, Miami. No, no, no. Okay. I think it's personally just a political, uh, or not political, but just. Playing the game. Yeah, playing the game that right. he's going to go to Colorado. That's my opinion. Uh, but if he didn't go to Colorado, if I was going to pick, I'd say Georgia. I mean, that's the team I've heard. If it's not Georgia, I'd, I, I would lean more towards SC. SC was the team that I heard. You know, even when we did recruiting chats, I told you, like, SC was kind of the team I've heard. So, uh, I think Miami's in there, too, but oh, I wow. think those are the teams I'd heard the most. I'll tell you what, man. If he ends up going to Colorado and he's playing the game, like, we all need somebody as loyal to us <laughs> as Travis Hunter is to Deion Sanders. If he's doing all this just to, like, you. give Deion another, like, shot in the arm of, oh, actually, I'm, just, I'm coming. I'm just not buying into it because I've seen this drama before. Right. It's like, right. it feels like it's a buildup to say, okay, what do all those teams have in common? Well, they all are recruiting very well. You know, Southern Cal's True. done a good, great job. Yeah. Miami has a top three class already. And Georgia's the number one team in the country. What better blow up to give Dion positive momentum yeah. than to have, yeah. say, they beat somebody out for the number one player in the country from last year's class? I just, until I see it, I'm going to believe he's going to Colorado. I don't care what anybody says. Well said. Hey, we appreciate it. Check out all of Michael's work over at the Premier Recruiting Board. What you just heard might be a little bit dated, but everything over there is fresh, especially the Nuggets. Thanks, Mike. You got it, man. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill, FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Thanks, as always, to Michael Langson for breaking things down. Um, National Sign Day, which, by the way, Corey, no more fax machines. I'm sorry, I should have defended your honor a little bit better. I didn't, I didn't defend your honor at all. I didn't realize we went away from fax machines. I can't believe you can just sign your NLI and take a photo of it and text it to a coach. That sounds absolutely, uh, you know, not encrypted, not safe at all. We're a, we're a that's democratic what I was nation. thinking. Like, how do you know what you're even looking at? How do you know that that's not photoshopped? Yeah, it's not in your hand. I thought you'd have to have it in your hand for it to be official. But yeah, Mike Norvell made fun of me on uh, Mon- during after Monday's practice for for saying a fax he, because I asked him because I think it's interesting. They're going to be practicing from ten to noon. On National Signing Day, which if you follow National Signing Day, that's pretty good chance some kids are going to be committing. Or not just committing, but actually sending in their, however they send it in, I guess through texts or, uh, you, you know, NFTs. I don't know what they do anymore. But uh, they, uh, so they're, you know, he's going to be on the field practicing. And he said, uh, and I'll be writing about this actually. It'll probably be on the site by the time you hear this. 
that, uh, you know, he'll, it'll be one of the very few times he's out at practice with his phone, but he will have his phone uh, because he'll be checking. I'm sure he'll be texting. There might be some guys he needs to, you know, pitch. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting that they'll be there. But yeah, he said that they don't do faxes anymore. And that was uh, that was news to Aslan and I. Yeah. Um, but overall, just how odd it is, like what what and I know we just heard from Langston, but like how different the whole thing is than it was eight years ago, man. This is just like, do you, do you guys really care? And I'm being I mean, I know you do. You want to have the number four class. Miami might end up with the top five class, but you know how Miami's getting that. And what will it matter if a year from now, half those guys leave? Like, look at what A&M did last year. What did that matter in the grand scheme of the program? So I know that there are going to be a lot of, a lot of you that might be upset because Miami's top five and Florida State's 15th after the two seasons they had. I get it. But does it really matter in the context of 2023? And you can say, of course it does. And you can also say it really matters in 2024 and 2025. Yeah, if those guys are there, but those guys at A&M, they're not there. So yeah, you got to celebrate and all the A&M fans got to, got to hug and pat themselves on the back and celebrate Jimbo's great signing class um, this time a year ago. And everybody else in Jackson State got to celebrate Travis Hunter coming. Well, they're, they're gone now. Like at least, at least in Jackson, they got to win 12 games with Travis Hunter, although he only, I think he played eight of them. Got a conference but, title out of it. Yeah. yeah. But what did, what happened at A&M? And what do we think with Miami securing all these recruits? And let's be honest, man. We know why they're going there. We know how they're going there. You can't get mad at Norvell for not paying guys two commas worth of you, – you, it just – it's gonna. It's really fascinating, man, that, that if, the, if this could work to like for high school players. Because in the, in the way college football works now, you built you. I still 100% agree that you build through high school recruiting, or that's the number one way to build. I don't think you're bringing in 17 guys on Wednesday hoping that four of them are any good. Because if only four of 17 hit, you're in trouble. You can't be saved by the portal that much. But man, the portal is a great equalizer. And I, I don't know, like if Florida State ends up with the number two portal class in the country, but the number 16 high school recruiting class in the country, what's more important next year? Like, do you guys care? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know how to feel about it. Like, is he getting worked on the recruiting trail because Miami and Florida are finishing higher than him? Or is he putting more of his focus on making sure, number one, that the guys they need to come back come back, but then, oh, yeah, he just got the number six interior lineman in the portal. He just got the number one and number three tight ends in the portal. He's going to get more players, very good ones, in the portal. So doesn't that kind of alleviate or eliminate some angst you might have with the with finishing 15th whenever, when your other two in-state rivals are top 10 and one might be top five? Well, but so you have to, so you have to buy high school guys? Portal guys are not as expensive then? So I mean, how does that work? I think... No, I, I think you probably have to do both. I, I I think the high the Caleb Williamses of the world are high priced, um, but with a five star, which Miami is going to land at least three of them. Yeah, man, I think the, the 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 going rate for those guys is pretty high. But I guess the question is, how long? Just literally, like how long are they going to be there? And I and I also think portal kids, like a guy like Jaheim Bell, he's going to play in the NFL. So he's going to a place, like right now, yes, it would be nice for, look, Miami's not going to offer a tight end. Nobody's going to offer a tight end a million dollars. But it would be nice for him to get offered $200,000 to go play at Miami. Great. You'll play in front of no fans and an offense that sucks. And you won't really be at, what's the even point of leaving South Carolina at that point? Or you can go to Florida State and go to an offense that really accentuates the tight end. It's built for tight ends, apparently. Yeah. It's built for tight ends and running backs in the passing game. And you go get to play with a really good quarterback. I just think that that matters to a portal kid more than some kid that's uh, 18 that has a chance to make five, $600,000 in one year to play football. But losing sucks. Playing in front of no fans sucks. And that's what, Flor that's what Miami will always have to fight unless somehow this gets turned around. And it can. If you can convince these guys to not only go there and st but stay – and they turn into what they're supposed to be, 
then yeah, I guess Miami's got a fighting chance. It's better than not having money. But I, I just wonder Florida State fans' opinions of, you know, losing, quote-unquote, the recruiting battles, losing on the recruiting trail to your two in-state rivals, but beating them on the field and beating them in the portal. On three has their transfer portal rankings. Uh, they, I, It looks as though they factor in what you're bringing in through the transfer portal and what you're also losing. Florida right. State is currently eighth in these rankings. I think but Florida State has three guys, right? Transfers in, they have five listed. Who? The two tight ends. Oh, the Miami kid, the Penn State running back? Yeah, because I Holmes is one of them. Well, who's the other one? Daryl Jackson, Jaheim Bell, Kyle Morlock, Casey Rock. Yeah, two tight ends, kid from Miami, oh, yeah, Kaziah yeah, Holmes, right. and then Casey um, Rock. And look, man, Kaziah Holmes, God love him. We're, I don't know how he's going to get the ball. Um, he'll be <laughs> They're in all going to eat, know. though. Lawrence said I know, they're all going to eat. Feely, they're all happy. That's what Toa Feely said. But, um, yeah, but they're not, you know, they're not done. And I wonder if they get hit a little bit on those rankings because of McCall, because they have McCall ranked very high. Right. Um, but yeah, Gainer, also Gainer counts high. You know, Sean Bray is a four star. Rod Orza, oh yeah, four star. Yeah. So, so, but we, I think we know the truth on some of this stuff more than like, um, you know, people that aren't as close to the program that look at star rankings right. and and maybe who's I don't even. But know But everybody's being graded the same way. Kenny, Kenny, and Arizona State are number one right now. Yeah, they and they just got um, Drew the quarterback Pine from, from Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah, yeah. So, but okay, so we. When you so, but on the, another website, one of the other websites, I think Florida State has the number two uh, portal class in the country. Uh, well, we don't either work way, for that website, it, so I don't care what they have to say. Exactly right, but it is, they they have a top ten, probably will finish with a top five portal class. And I just think that what you're trying to do, what you're trying to build, because as we saw with A and M a highly ranked recruiting class and like you want to still get, please understand you want to get, you want to build through high schools. You want to get good players. You really do. But I think there are some Florida state fans and some college football fans that get more excited about landing a five-star or winning the recruiting day when it used to be in February, winning national signing day, then maybe they did winning the ACC. Like there's just, it, it, you, it's something to pat you on the back. Like, man, we got the number one recruiting class in the country. We got, these we got six five stars we got three five stars and 12 four stars well how many of them pan out like the real key is evaluating and developing you want to get big guy you want to get big time players we get it there are going to be some three stars that turn into five stars there's going to be some five stars that turn into three stars but they might start at another school and i just wonder if the portal kind of uh, again eases angst because you know okay yeah miami's going to sign an offensive tackle they've signed the two top cornerbacks in the country somehow well, maybe they'll be in Tallahassee in 2024. It's not over. Yeah. So that, that's all. That's just, it makes National Signing Day so different than it's ever been. You don't really feel like, uh, like, uh, like the kid that, uh, that I'm sure Langston talked about, the kid that's looking at Auburn now. Oh, um, uh, golly. Falk? Yeah, Keldrick Falk. Attaboy, Highland Keldrick Holm. Falk, the deep. Flying yeah, okay, squadron. So maybe, <laughs> apparently he's developed a great relationship with Hugh Freeze over the last 48 hours. Saw that coming. In, and all of a sudden is interested in Auburn. That's weird after being committed to Florida State for so long. We understand what's going on. We all do. But say he goes to Auburn for a year, realize he doesn't like it. Are you are you devastated? Are you like, hey, man, Keldrick Falk might be coming back. Hey, maybe Marvin Jones Jr. will be here at some point in his career. Like, not all is lost on National Signing Day like it felt like it used to be. So, And you're getting mostly good news anyway out of the portal. And those guys are ready-made, and they're more impactful for 2023, which is, I think... they've done it. And they've done it, Corey. That's the thing. Yeah. They've, they've shown you what they can do in the portal. So, yeah, I, I get yeah. it. I, I, I think most people will realize, all right, whatever. Although there is, there's like a four- or five-page thread with, like, Miami, how do they have a top-three class? It's like... How do you think? Factor in the transfer portal, everybody. You have to factor in the transfer but portal. But also, how do you think Miami has a top-three class? They have a billionaire benefactor. That's how. And until that gets regulated, which it will at some point, I know it will... How do you compete with it? If they want to pay that kind of money for an unproven cornerback, do you want Florida State to spend a million dollars for a corner just to pat yourself on the back and say you got a five-star kid who might not end up being good? Or would you rather, at this point, if that's the if that's the going rate, maybe see what you can get? Hey, maybe the kid will be on the market in a couple of years, 
and he's already got him. He's already set for life because he made some good investments, and he just wants to go have fun and play football, win games, and then he'll he'll and play in front of people. And now you got a chance at him. And he's he's a grown man, and he's going to come in and start right away. And so instead of uh, you know being a scout team player for a year, or being a second or third stringer, it's weird though, right? It's just weird. That's yeah. all. I just comment. I don't even know where I'm going. I don't even know what I'm saying. I just think it's such a weird way to look at National Signing Day now. The fact that it's in December, the fact that the portal's going on at the same time, the fact that retention is going on at the same time, all these NILs are going on. You just like look at it at the look at it in February and let's see what this roster looks like and let's see who won National Signing Day. Really, well, we'll have to wait till like May when this, the portal reopens and then closes again. But point taken. Oh, point yeah. taken. Yeah, you got it. Good uh, point. Good point. Thanks to our friend Michael Langston for hopping on here and talking about recruiting. Uh, and behalf of Corey, I thank you as well for listening to today's show. Uh, Seminal headlines coming up 1 to 3 o'clock. Jeff Cameron, Irish show fellow Corey Clark, ho, 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 uh, giving you your Christmas special on that show. So do check them out, and we'll have some preview stuff, I'm sure, going up on the site as well as we do get ready for National Sign Day. Practice will be on Wednesday. For Corey, I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up Board Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.